This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in to talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. And Mark. And I'm sure what we've got planned for people is going to rile them up one direction or the other. It seems, now this is sort of news to me, but it seems that Christopher Columbus might be considered a divisive figure in the United States. That seems like it's true. I mean, I don't even know it's divisive. I don't think people really, I think really people come down on one side. Christopher Columbus, bad, because a lot of bad things happened. And the other side is, why do you care so much? Like, those seem like the sides. I don't think it's fair to blame uh, Christopher Columbus for the bad things that happened afterward. See, I I think that a lot that with a lot of the people who would be on Christopher Columbus's side, uh, they're divided themselves by the people who are like, oh no, the the Norse people discovered the United States or North There's America that, yeah. first. So Christopher Columbus is just overblown, and that's the issue with him. I would I would say that part is I'm 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 down with that uh, that uh, certainly the Norse are c- clearly established a, um, you know a place Vinland um, I believe is what it's called and yeah that's so Columbus rediscovered I mean plus there were people here already what kind of arrogance is it to say oh we discovered America this place where there are already people well you didn't discover it the people who were already there kind of discovered it i think that the (laughs) discovered america like line was disappearing when i was a kid in the 80s um i mean you know it was we were clear who oh god what are these uh the different people who um did it i can't remember off the top of my head what the vikings names were uh that you know might have established uh vinland or whatever but they existed and we talked about them even in school Back in the 1980s and perhaps the 70s. We never talked about them in school. It's only been on the internet that I've learned anything about, you know, the North American You did go to school in Mississippi. I did, yes. (laughs) So it's not terribly surprising that their, you know, history teaching would be slanted more so toward uh, Europe than in other parts of the United States. Right. And, um, I mean, so there's that angle, too. There's the people that are like... Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty clear at this point that there have been several waves of discovery of a new continent, um, you know, two continents. Sure. Um, and Well, that's sort of an arbitrary divide. I mean, it's one solid piece of land. There isn't really a dividing border between them. There was. I mean, at one point, there uh, were mean, two it's... separate continents, and they ended up knocking into each other. Okay, well, this would have been... You know what happened, right? Basically, all the uh, fauna of North America wiped out the fauna of South America. Interesting. And, I mean, you know, the the largest predator in South America at the time was like this large predatory bird. And, you know, what's I'm sorry, eggs just don't stand up against rats. And they never have. Ask the dodo. So, you know, I mean, and then com- complaining that Europeans came over and somehow... You know, like a lot of these uh, these arguments are about genocide. Sure, well, I'm not sure that's entirely fair to blame the Europeans. Admittedly, most of my heritage is European. At one point, I considered myself to be, um, you know, Native American in part, but turns out that was a rapey Mongol. Sorry, everybody, I was just wrong. Uh, but. <laughs> 
Other it happens. Than, yeah, it happens. Rapey Mongols happen. Uh, happen a lot. As a matter of fact, if you've got Eastern European uh, heritage, chances sure. are good there's a rapey Mongol back there someplace. Um, so if you you can't really blame the Europeans for having diseases that happen to wipe out a large portion of the Americas. That's certainly true. You know, I mean, certainly there were bad things done, plenty of them, but slavery wasn't unknown to our Native American brethren of uh, 500 years ago. Right. Oh, my God, this concept of taking people into bondage and forcing them to do things. It's not like, oh, my goodness, we never heard of this or uh, warfare or, you know, um, spreading empires or any of this stuff. This this stuff all went on. Disregarding the Aztec Empire's name, right? Inca, Mayan, all these these people existed, and they did all this stuff. It just turns out that dirty Europeans were better at it and carried syphilis. Well, the image that was portrayed when I was in school is – and I understand why people are understandably frustrated and upset by that image – was that, you know, the – the Puritans came over talking peace and all of that. They wouldn't have survived that first winter if mm-hmm. not for Native American generosity, sure. Sure. which they then went on to repay with massive amounts of genocide. So we're going to call those pilgrims instead of Puritans because we are not in like their religion was a little different than the Puritans. OK, um, the Puritans came a bit later. But yeah, that, that much is true. And but a lot of it wasn't intentional, as you were saying earlier. It just happened to most be that- of it. Most of it. The vast majority of the deaths of the American pe- of Americans, Native Americans, um, and Indians, whatever terminology we want to use for this, um, are completely biological. Two ecospheres that were not compatible, that clashed together. It could just as easily, easily gone the other direction, and it didn't. Mm, Probably, point. you know, the, the case made in Guns, Germs, and Steel is that the dirty Europeans sleeping with their livestock in their houses in the cold, cold winters created this hardier stock that was a bit more disease resistant. And they're the ones who came over and they're the ones who did their thing. And, you know, people had sex. Syphilis went one way. Gonorrhea went the other. Smallpox came on over. Like, you know, just the way it is. If the Indians had had some awful plague that had wiped out Europeans um, in the very early days, then you know, the story would have gone back and it probably would have been another couple of hundred years before Europeans would have said, well, it's I mean, that's the those that's the land of the dead. Don't go there. But it didn't turn out that way. Good point. I've never really considered that. And I would assume that, you know, it all it all comes back to this sort of. Um, European superiority that people tend to have over the rest of the world. You know, yeah. they, they view the Native Americans as these sort of weak, peace-loving, nature-loving people. When and the Europeans came over and just decimated them, took advantage of their kindness and generosity. When, yeah, sure, that was certainly true based on how it There's played a, out. There's an amount of that that went on, but it wasn't necessarily intentional, right? And um, yeah, so we don't know exactly what the Arawak people were like. These are the uh, people that were in that region that Columbus landed repeatedly uh, four times, never to actually set foot on the continents themselves. Really? Columbus never set foot on the continent? No. Um, what a waste of a life. I mean, if you'd consider the island's continents, yes. 
I would not. I would consider them islands. Okay. Um, so <laughs> it, it depends on how you view these things. These, sure. It gets very, well, Well, then why do we view the one landmass as two continents? Because it's two shelves. It gets complicated. When you start using well, the term- Well, that was my point earlier. Yeah. I viewed them as one continent. The whole division well, how do you there. how do you uh, view Europe, Asia, and Africa? As one continent One as continent. Well. So yeah, we just- you're, you're of the opinion that there are three continents, Euro, um, Af- Afro-Eurasia, and the Americas. Yes. And or, or the America. Well, I mean, the rest is or, just arbitrary human lines. Well, why are they? My, my question would be this. Continents is a complicated term and nobody can really agree on what they are. So why is, for instance, Australia a continent and not just an island like Greenland? Because it's rather large. So is Greenland. Is rather uh, Greenland large. is not as large as it appears to be on the map. That, Agreed. That's a result of, you know, um, the sure. 3D globe being put yep. on a 2D map. That's why the longitudinal latitudinal lines are, you know, so far Greenland's apart Greenland's the largest island if you presume that an island and a continent aren't the same thing and that Australia is a continent and not an island. I don't know that I would call Australia a continent. Okay, great. So now <laughs> we have two continents, right? Or is Antarctica, which is also an island... There is land there, yes. Yeah. Um, is that an island or is that a continent? I don't know how much land there is there. L- more than I, Australia. I'm also not willing to define these things so so specifically that I'm like, okay, this is a continent. This we is not. that like specific <laughs> definitions get very sort of confused and upset about continents. Uh, I can understand why. I mean, it's like trying to define something that, you know, throughout most of history has just sort of been taken as a given. This is what a continent is. What are your thoughts on Columbus? 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. And you can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind using our toll-free number, which you can find at 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. And Mark. And Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, which allows you to buy and sell Bitcoin Cash using dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, or meeting in person with cash. The site has no KYC requirements, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. So finally, we have a global trading platform that respects our privacy. It's got competitively low fees, uh, lower than you'll find at that other site. So sign up and get started trading Bitcoin Cash at local.bitcoin.com. It's a site that I'm absolutely in love with. It's probably the best thing to happen to me this year. After being on Free Talk Live, so well, there you go. Yep, yeah. Which I would I wouldn't have even known about local.bitcoin.com if I hadn't been on Free Talk Live anyway. So all all good things. Go check it out. That's local.bitcoin.com. Let's get right into the phones here. We've got uh, Mary calling in from Texas. Mary, you're on Free Talk Live. Are you with us, Mary? Hi. I Hi. am. All right, what's on your mind? You're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, slide up that potentiometer yeah. a little bit. Yep. Well, um, I just had um, a Facebook Live um, talk about my 70th birthday, which is coming up, and I'm trying to go ahead and have people donate to Liberty International on my behalf 
Mary Ruart, I asked you to call, and then I forgot to tell my main host that you were calling in. (laughs) This is completely my fault. Let me give an introduction, if I may, please. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, probably one of the most influential people in the uh, liberty movement, and I would say undoubtedly the most influential woman, living woman in the liberty movement, um, is Dr. Mary Ruart. And uh, for me, one of the pivotal moments in understanding libertarianism was reading the book Healing Our World. And Dr. Ruart has written several books, but Healing Our World, to me, is... Uh, you know, the most important. And the reason is, is that this book is aimed at every person in the sense that it tackles topics that everybody's concerned with, not politics or anything like that, but issues, basic human issues. And it explains them in a way that libertarians have been very bad at explaining heretofore uh, prior to this book. And honestly, since, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not like writing the book, suddenly every libertarian understood how to communicate the message as well as Dr. Ruart. However, we have been given a model, and that model is uh, well worth the read. And Dr. Ruart is just recently turned 70, minus you, mind you, a, a spry 70, I wouldn't have guessed. And she's offering... Um, any one of her books as an ebook for a donation of I think it's thirty five dollars to and what was the uh, the charity that you're you're doing Dr. Ruart? A Liberty International it used to be known as the International Society for Individual Liberty, but ah. the acronym was ISIL, so we had to change it. <laughs> I see. And uh, I chair that. Yeah, I chair that nonprofit, and we're doing a lot of wonderful things. Um, so that's why I'm asking people to donate. And I have three books, so they can get uh, their favorite ebooks if they donate $35. If they donate 70 they can get two books. And if they donate 100 they can get all three. Very cool. It's an awesome deal. So what does um, the organization do? Well, we do a lot of different things. Um, right now, our biggest thing is one of the... Um, things that we used to do back about 30 years ago when I first learned about libertarianism. We had issue papers, which were little pamphlets on different things, different libertarian topics. And Liberty tracks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. And now we're trying to update them and turn them into little videos, pamphlets, yep. because that's what people like today is videos. And, of course, we also have annual conferences. Our next one's in Columbia. Our last one was in Mongolia, and we have liberty camps throughout the world where we gather young people together to learn about liberty really? and really interact with all of these, you know, faculty that's there. We also have um, a number of things we've done in the past. When the Berlin Wall came down, we had some of the first conferences on liberty in Eastern Europe. We translated Ayn Rand's books into Russian. Uh, Healing Our World was translated into five different Eastern Eastern European languages, and Ken Schoolin's Jonathan Gullible, I think, is now up to 45 or 50 different languages, and it's turned into a play, a musical, and they're now thinking of making some video animation with it. It's really exciting. I'm glad I had a chance to talk to you about this, because you, you made a Facebook post, and I, I sent $35 right off the bat, not because I'm looking for a book. I have signed copies of your books uh, sitting on a shelf. I, I sent it because... 
I mean, if Dr. Mary Ruart asks for thirty-five dollars, I'm sending straight away. Um, you know, I mean, that's that's just the way it is. And ladies and gentlemen, I would encourage you to do the same. I could not express a higher level of admiration for Dr. Ruart. Um, now, but- where can people go to do this directly, other than Facebook? Do you have a website where people can go to contribute to Liberty International? Yes. If, if people go to the Liberty International webpage, which is liberty-intl.org, they can scroll down on the homepage and they'll see an advertisement for my 70th birthday. They can contribute directly or they can go to one of my Facebook pages, which, uh, you know, is Mary Ruart or Mary J. Ruart, Ph.D. So they can go to either place and donate. So what I'd like to offer here um, is, by the way, everybody, please go do that uh, donation. Can you give the website one more time? Sure. It's liberty-intl.org, um, or they can go to one of my Facebook pages, which uh, you know would be Mary J. Ruart, Ph.D., or Mary Ruart. So when you do these videos, um, I'm happy to offer any voiceover work that you might need. I've got the equipment and the, the you know the all that stuff. I can pr- fin- offer finished audio for anything like that. Um, if you want to do video work, I'll try to f- work out how um, to help you on that. Uh, secondarily, it's very important to me to spread the ideas of liberty to diverse places around the world, specifically to young people through these little camps and, and these sorts of things. I think that this is wildly important because, you know, when you catch them before they get some, you know, stultified uh, political opinion, get them early and explain these ideas to them early on, specifically in, um, you know, when when people come bearing gifts, yeah, people are more lis- more willing to listen. So uh, I'd like to help run a fundraiser sort of more long term rather than just, uh, you know, a call here, which is, is great. I, and I hope you'll hold on till the, the next segment with me, uh, Dr. Ruart. But um, uh, please, I'd like to get in contact and see how we can do sort of matching funds and work out how to run some ads and get people to really donate to this. I think this is very important. What kind of numbers are you trying to reach to, to send these uh, missions out? Well, for the birthday fundraiser, we're going for $7,000 because it's my 70th birthday. But, of course, we need, you know, we need funding as many nonprofits do. One of the great things about our organization is that we have a lot of volunteer help. So hold, we need no, to a dollar. Dr. Ruart, hold the line. I'll bring you right back. Okay. Sure. We're going to be back with Dr. Ruart in just a moment, so don't go anywhere. This is free. Have you heard of LibertyCon? LibertyCon is not only a convention with great speakers like Whole Foods CEO and co-founder John Mackey and Nobel Prize winner Vernon Smith, but it's also unique because you get a chance to network with more than 70 pro-liberty organizations, one-on-one for the purpose of career advancement, business, and internship opportunities. April 3rd through 5th in Washington, D.C. You can learn more by visiting LibertyCon.com and use code FTL for a $10 discount on your registration. That's LibertyCon.com. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. And Mark. And sorry that 
That came in so loud. We actually turned it up uh, during the previous segment. We were talking with Dr. Mary Ruart, and then I left it turned up while we came back from break, and the music was overbearingly loud. Sorry about that, but let's get right back to... It's heavy metal music. It was made to be played loud. You you are not wrong. Let's get back to our conversation with Dr. Ruart. Dr. Ruart, welcome back. So the two of you were discussing uh, Liberty International. And I've never spoken with you before, but it's an honor to speak with you. I haven't followed you like closely or anything, but I'm aware of you. I've read your stuff. It's it's wonderful, wonderful content. So uh, thank you for all that you do for the cause of liberty. Now, Mark, I, you had additional questions you had. Yeah, well, um, so we were talking about, is it liberty-intl.com? Dot .com. Yes. Dot .org. Dot org. org, sorry, dot org, uh, very important, um, yeah. where you do a variety of uh, outreach for the, the ideas of liberty, among them being these uh, these classes where people in foreign countries, you do these events in foreign countries where young people can come and learn about the ideas of liberty, and presumably they're enticed with uh, you know reasons to come, uh, Mongolia, Colombia, uh, great places to do these things. I wanted to talk a little bit about healing our world. I think that this is a um, this is a topic on Free Talk Live that's come up multiple times, and we haven't uh, talked about your book in probably uh, several years. So let's get back to this important volume in uh, the ideas of liberty. So can you tell people about healing our world? Sure. Well, it really it really addresses the Uh, topics that libertarians often have trouble talking about, like the environment, uh, like the New Age perspective uh, and Christian perspectives. And also, it's become really the most comprehensive uh, volume that lists all of the studies that have been done to show how liberty works in the real world. Because if it doesn't work in the real world, why are we promoting it, you know? So there's been so many great studies that show that just about everything that we talk about as libertarians has actually been done at some point in time in some country. And the last uh, volume that I, or last edition, I should say, of Healing Our World had over a thousand references of how liberty works. And I think that that may be uh, the most important part of it. And of course, I tried very hard to make it sound not like a tome, (laughs) but, but very friendly and, you know, really talk to people in a very practical way, because most of us really learned the libertarian ethic as children. We were taught to not steal from our playmates, not lie to them, not hit them. Uh, So really, uh, and if we, if we damaged their toys, then we were supposed to make it right again. So the libertarian ethic of the non-aggression principle was really something we learned as children, it worked really well for us, and we kind of threw it out as adults. So I kind of go through um, how we did that and uh, why it hasn't worked for us and why we need to get back to, you know, basically the secret of uh, universal peace and plenty that we learned as children. Uh, what are some of the examples that you think were most uh, effective and moving in healing our world? Well, one of them was the emphasis on restitution. Uh, sometimes when the non-aggression principle is talked about, the restitution component isn't put in there. And so it 
it, it allows people to criticize the non-aggression principle. For example, Mark, if you and I were standing uh, on a street corner and I was stepping out into traffic looking at my iPhone and you pulled me back, you'd actually be using you know, initiating force against right. me. But of course, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be coming after you uh, because I wouldn't want restitution. I'd probably be giving you a reward for saving my life. So when we when we use restitution as part of the non-aggression principle, it really dissolves all those criticisms that people have of the non-aggression principle. And then, of course, talking about the environment, libertarians don't do that very well, and it's really important because. If you, if you think about the principles of ending sovereign immunity, using restitution or cleaning up our garbage, and then privatizing land and beast, those three things really, really take care of just about every environmental pro- uh, problem that you can think of. So it's very exciting in that respect. Right. The lefties and, sort of claim victory in the, uh, um, the the environmental sphere. They say, well, we're right. And everybody just seems to agree or, or you know, whatever. They question the science, whatever that, the case might be. My, I come down in that, look, if you the, the government is the largest polluter on the planet. The United States government largest polluter on the planet. Why in the world would we entrust governments, these organizations that have shown themselves to be, well, to have very little concern about the environment, why would we give them this mandate towards the environment? Oh, well, if we give them a mandate towards the environment, they'll suddenly act better. Well, in what way have they been good in the past? What task have we handed over to governments that they've suddenly done well in the past? And, you know... They're very good at that. (laughs) Um, But I suspect if war was profitable, then corporations, rather than employing governments to, uh, you know, to handle their outsource, you know, rather than outsourcing their violence to the state, um, then corporations would probably be better at war than the governments are currently. At this point, the corporations are basically disarmed and must use the organizations that claim a monopoly privilege on the use of violence in order to do their violence for them. Mm-hmm. Well, and just as government is the greatest polluter, it is also the greatest creator of poverty. You know, it, it, one of, that's another thing that liberals tend to focus on is, is how we need to help the poor. But what is not recognized is that Today's poverty is created by government through licensing laws, minimum wage laws. It basically keeps the disadvantaged out of the marketplace or makes it very, very difficult for them to get in. And as you're probably aware, the Institute for Justice has been really a prime mover in trying to stop these laws uh, from continuing by showing, basically, that they really hinder the disadvantaged. So, a big part of healing our world is devoted to showing how government creates the poverty that we see today, and that includes in the third world. The reason the third world is still developing is because their property rights and you know haven't really taken in the same way they have in the first world. In other words, there isn't free and clear title easily had in the third world, right. and of course, there's a lot more regulation. So that's why they're still poor. And people can get Healing Our World by participating in um, Liberty International's fundraiser here for your 70th birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Dr. Rort. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, And by simply going to Liberty 
hyphen intl dot org and donating thirty five dollars and they can get the the ebook there um, of healing our world and is this the the newest version because I know you've had several versions of that. Yes, I, oh yes, it's the 2015 edition. It's the newest one, and the other option is short answers to the tough questions based on a web column that I did for the advocates for self government's easing for about 20 years. And then, of course, my newest one, Death by Regulation, how we were robbed of a golden age of health and how we can reclaim it, which basically shows how the FDA has shaved five to ten years off each of our lives. Yeah, you've given speeches about this. Uh, You, by the way, being a former research scientist, research doctor. How do you say that? Yes, I I was in in, um, research in one of the pharmaceutical companies, the Upjohn Company, and and so I really saw behind the scenes what was going on with the FDA. Most of this is very invisible to the general public. Even if a journalist, for example, wanted to study it, they really would have trouble getting it. Dr. Rowan, I hate to cut you off. But um, we, we we do have to go. Um, I just please get a hold of me. I want to I want to get this fundraiser and make it very successful. And uh, please go to liberty-intl.org and donate to Dr. Ruart's campaign here. Sounds like a very wor- worthy cause. Absolutely. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. And Mark. We're going to finally get into this Christopher Columbus story here, because evidently, according to the uh, Sacramento Bee, uh, some people are a bit upset about Columbus Day and doused a statue of Christopher Columbus with red paint. In San Francisco on Saturday night, celebrating the country. Wait, they worded that so badly. So visitors to Telegraph Hill on Sunday found the message, destroy all monuments to genocide and kill all colonizers. Painted around. Kill all colonizers. Yes. See, now this is a disturbing statement. What does that mean? Does that mean... Death to white people? Is, I mean, that's what it sounds like to me when I hear it. I mean, it's it sounds like something that a rich, liberal, white college student wrote. Sir, certainly. <laughs> um, so colonization's a problem. Agreed. I agree. Um, let's not forget the United States is a breakaway colony of England. Um, I have I hold no ill will to England. I think that they, you know, many of the results of their colonization have been pretty positive, all in all. But um, let's also remember that colonization didn't start with Christopher Columbus. I mean, there no, were it, it certainly didn't. three <laughs> waves of people that came over the Bering Straits Bridge and then all the other people that came a variety of different ways, you know, paddling canoes and doing a variety of things. I mean, is a colonization essentially what Genghis Khan did? Yeah, I would say that he was empire building, but I mean, not he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't setting up colonies, um, okay. but. Yeah, I mean, Genghis Khan certainly can be used in this. He's not, not a good guy, if you look at uh, today by today's <laughs> modern standards. Uh, I think it's always worth mentioning that there's a saying that in the Genghis Khan's empire, a maiden, meaning that 
A young lady who's not particularly strong could carry a basket of gold in her head from one empire to one side of the empire to the other. Now that suggests a high level of law and order. It does. Right? right. I mean, you know. So, you know, let, let's just say that there's some there's some positives and negatives, some give and take. But if we're going to have death to all colonizers and we're saying that DNA somehow suggests colonizing Right, like I've never colonized well, anything. They didn't. I guess say maybe that. now. Right, they didn't say that. But I, I did move from Florida to New Hampshire for the Free State Project. Does that make me a colonist because I came here to set up sort of an alcove of liberty to work with in-state libertarians? Am I one of the very few modern colonizers? I've got an interesting question for the left that Mark just brought to my attention. What is the difference between an immigrant and a colonizer? I don't know the answer to that, but I'll bet they say it's color. I I would tend to agree, but now, I mean you're you're not a colonizer of New Hampshire. You are an immigrant to New Hampshire. Okay, in the same way that people who are coming from Mexico are immigrants to the United States, and I'm totally fine with all of that. In fact, I'm totally fine with a peaceful colonization. Now, going to a place where there are other where there's other sentient life, wiping out that life inadvertently or intentionally, I'm not okay with that. No, right? uh, initiating force against other people, no matter what their race, ethnicity, or uh, you know whatever the, the story is, is not acceptable. Right. Now, using force back and forth, this is one of the things about the, um, the colonization of the United States is we're basically at this point – told it was all one-sided there was western expansion and nothing was going on and there was much more of uh, than that going on in the early parts and sort of the eastern tribes that have basically been you know wiped out and assimilated at this point they almost almost non-existent cherokees um, and with an exception but the northern northeastern tribes basically gone um you know, that these uh, situations were probably more back and forth. You know, back, bad things happen on one side, bad things happen from the other. And then, you know, ping-ponging back and forth until, well, the inevitable occurred. Sure. And um, remember, this is the old, the old story of divide and conquer has been used pretty successfully by lots of different people throughout history, and that's what happened here in the Americas. Um, you know, one set of Indians has a problem with another set of Indians, so here comes the white man. Let's get the white guy on our side. We'll have ourselves a war, and we will wipe them out. Turns out, once you wipe them out, then there's half as many Indians to fight, and the other half is you. And <laughs> that's then that's how that goes. Well, let's get back to the phone. So we got Steve calling from St. Louis. Steve, you are on Free Talk Live. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, I was just wanting to talk about the Columbus thing, too. I, I was in the chat earlier and talking to you about the uh, social media post all day anti-Columbus thing. Sure. I, like I said earlier in the chat room, I think it's just anti-white because – it used to be. Like Are you pro Columbus? I mean, do you think Christopher Columbus is a great guy? I care less about Columbus. That's how I feel, as right? As <laughs> but I, but I look at it as they're not really anti-Columbus. Most of them don't even know Columbus' story. It's just another monument they're trying to tear down. I think it's very anti-white. Like uh, the uh, colonizing is going to, you know, cure racism or something. So you think being anti-Columbus is sort of a dog whistle for the left, 
to mask their actuality Absolutely. of being anti-white. Absolutely. I'd yeah. like to hear somebody remember, who's um, like would, would come out and be overt about anti-whiteness, exactly like what their solutions might be for this. Um, are you know, am I am I fine staying where I am geographically or do I need to move back to where my ancestors came from? It, are, is the country, are, you know, are these countries going to allow me? Do I get to pick depending on the ancestor? Um, are these countries going to allow me in or do I have to like beg for permission from these countries? Um, you know, is uh, is the liberal uh, bastion that uh, you know dislikes imperialism or whatever are they gonna you know are they gonna set up some expedition kind of expedited uh, immigration system for me what if uh, how does wanted, it work what if we wanted to colonize the united kingdom who's we uh we free staters okay let's just go let's go colonize the libertarians united kingdom. taking yes. over the united kingdom all right yes it's gonna be highly unsuccessful but sure. all right is that morally okay from their anti-white point of view that's where I was essentially going with I that. See. Because I'm not sure it's really an anti-white point of view. I think they they may legitimately be anti-colonization. And when we look at at no, least— No, they're very anti-white. I, I, know, I know people protests. say that. But when we look at history for the last uh, several centuries, most of the colonization has been done by white people. That's recent, yeah. But I mean, you know, farther back than that, people were colonizing all the time. Certainly, but setting it was up colonies France that you know turned uh, Vietnam into the mess that it ultimately became. Sure. And the United States, you know, picked up the tab and attempted to colonize, you know, South Vietnam, which the French finally failed. Same thing um, in Korea, Western colonization of Asia. Same thing in the Philippines. That one just turned out to be a little bit more effective because I think it happened under Andrew Jackson. If I remember correctly. Who so. was that? Uh, what was that? Um, which one are we talking about with Andrew Jackson? The Probably Philippines. Not. Philippines was going to be later than Jackson. Um, I'm guessing Teddy Roosevelt kind of uh, okay. time frame. Well, I mean, no, and, was, and uh, then there's the banana republics as set up in large part by the United States to, you know, be colonies in all but name. So what do you think is what are some of the, the best examples of them being anti-white that you think? If you've ever been to or, or turned on your, you know, TV or whatever, seen these videos of these people protest in the Columbus Day, it's a lot of anti-white uh, signs and things like that. Like they're pretty open with with their anti-white. Like, can you protest. give an example of one um, of these signs? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I can't think of exactly what the signs say. But if, if you've ever seen some of their little protests, they have little picket signs. I'll keep my eyes. Columbus out. Day is. I will too, but in the meantime, I would suggest that you know you are feeling attacked as a white person because you are struggling with the guilt that you know throughout all of recent history it has been white people who have been doing the colonization, and so you feel a little guilty when people come out against colonization because you know you have ties to the white race. I don't either. (laughs) Collectivists do, and this is ultimately so you're interpreting their anti-colonization as being anti-white. Because you're creating those ties internally. Do you feel like you're doing that? No. No. Not at all. (laughs) Well, thank you, Steve, for the call. I'm not sure. Um, You know, I would agree that there are large parts of the left that do come across as being anti-white. But I don't think that one has to be anti-white in order to be anti-Columbus or anti-colonization. I'm against both of those, too. I have no issue whatsoever with white people or black people or Asian people or people of whatever 
ethnicity. Yeah, what's your problem with Columbus? 855-450-373. Chronic pain, stress and anxiety, fatigue or lack of focus, dependence on opioids or opiates? John Bush here, owner of Brave Botanicals, inviting you to try a free ounce of Kratom, the controversial plant remedy the government doesn't want you to know about. Why, you ask? Well, it's big competition for big pharma. From grandmothers cutting Oxycontin to keep up with their grandkids, to young adults kicking Adderall and quitting drinking, more Americans are turning to Kratom to help them through the day. But the government won't stop us. When the credit card companies kicked Kratom to the curb, I accepted e-checks and crypto. When Facebook shut down my ad account, I did podcast interviews and advertised on Free Talk Live. And now to give a big F you to the man, I'm giving away Kratom for free. To get your free ounce of Kratom, go to freeounceofkratom.com, pay $5 shipping and handling, and I'll send you a free ounce. Visit freeounceofkratom.com to claim your free ounce today. That's freeounceofkratom.com. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live. And with you tonight, it's Aria. And Mark. And we've been talking about Columbus. And evidently, uh, San Francisco, to the surprise of no one, now marks Columbus Day as Indigenous Peoples Day and observed Italian Heritage Day on Sunday, as reported by the uh, Sacramento Bee. According to the supervisor of uh, the town, uh, this is a shameful act of hatred and vandalism, said Supervisor Aaron Peskin, who represents the traditionally Italian-American neighborhood of North Beach. According to the San Francisco Examiner, Peskin called it the lowest form of behavior. Now, so, th- is is this guy an actual Columbus fan? Because this is what I've had a very difficult well, he time. He is Italian. Well, okay. I mean, Columbus was working for the Spaniards at the time. He was the Habsburgs, who are no longer in power. I think they're the Habsburgs. That's my guess. Um, well, it was Queen Isabel, wasn't and, it? And yeah, King Ferdinand. Um, but I, th- I think they were Habsburgs. I mean, you know, these people got so inbred they could barely talk. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, just, I, I don't know. Much like the American South. Why I'm, I'm supposed to care? I've never met anybody who was inbred in the South. I can say I, I met people that either. got married at 14 and, wow. had, and had false teeth by 20. So, you know, hey, um, some, of the, some of the stereotypes are true. Sure, certainly. Uh, so the guy continues, I mean, we're here to celebrate our heritage, our beliefs, our background, and that's disgusting. I'm sorry, but that really offends me. Here it is. Columbus Day is one of 10 federal holidays. So this is why Columbus Day is being defended. Columbus Day is being defended because shiftless government bureaucrats want the day off and they want to get paid for it. All right. If you want to celebrate indigenous people on Columbus Day, I'm with you. Let's let's go ahead and do that. If you want to celebrate Italian-American Heritage Day on the day before, awesome. I don't care. Yeah, if, I don't either. I, like, <laughs> like, I have yet to meet this Columbus 
fan. This guy that thinks, I mean, he started the age of exploration. He was a man with vision. Um, he certainly did not transcend the cultural norms of his time by, you know, slavery is what I'm specifically talking about. He right. certainly brought some people into slavery and certainly was willing to use violence to get what he wanted. You know, brought out the swords to in order to, to get what was convenient for him at the time. But I mean, that's, that's still not true new. today. <laughs> you know? I mean, none of that went away. No, none of that's gone, and it's not specific to Italians, Spaniards, Europeans, people from the old world, the Eastern Hemisphere, the Western Hemisphere, or anything. Like, that's not specific. That's a human behavior. And if you anything that you're upset about Columbus doing, you're upset about humans doing. I would agree. Let's go to Earl from Texas, see what his opinion is. Earl, you're on Free Talk Live. Happy Columbus Day. Uh, I just, I, I, love, uh, I love a good conversation about Christopher Columbus. Now, these hoodlums out there um, messing up these statues of Christopher Columbus is just wrong. And Christopher Columbus, uh, maybe not the best guy in the world, but he, uh, he was the one, you know, to help discover the Europeans. Uh, your volume and, uh, cut out there. What did you say he did what? Uh, he was discovering America, and uh, and uh, he was Italian. And, you know, uh, I got I love Italian people. I work for Italian people. I worked at a pizza shop before. I worked at an auto shop before for Italians. And, uh, and they take very uh, good pride in Christopher Columbus, and I, and I ain't got no problem with Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Look, I'm married to an Italian, and I have never heard this Italians, uh, pr- uh, you know, have pride in Christopher Columbus. I could ask around. Uh, I haven't considered it. Pride in Christopher. I'm sorry, Christopher Columbus discovered America. How can you well, not like him? And I think that's demonstrably false. I would say rediscovered you know, at the most. Yeah, well, you never mention words. I mean, they still can't just go out and mess up these statues. I'm I'm with you that if the statue isn't yours, you shouldn't go defacing it. Um, what if it belonged absolutely. to the state? That what gets, if these were government statues? Well, well, it don't matter. It's not their statue. That's Christopher Columbus. You can't do that to Christopher Columbus. Isn't it like literally their statue, though, if the government paid for it? Well, if the government put it up for a reason, and if I put up a Christopher Columbus statue, the government, either way, it's not yours. Well, let me ask you this. Is there anybody that they could put a statue up of that would be acceptable to Robert the face? Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee, the godfather of the civil American Southern War. Uh, That's acceptable to the face or not acceptable? Uh, Robert E. Lee, is that 100% acceptable? It would be acceptable to deface a Robert E. Lee statue? No, no, to put one up. Okay, is there is there a statue out there of some person? Is there a person of which you could erect a statue that it would be acceptable to deface? Uh, um, uh, maybe uh, Hitler. Hitler. Uh, every nobody likes that guy. That's for sure. I mean, if yeah, you you make no, you make a list like of him, he's he's way on the bottom of uh, liked people. Uh, that much is true. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine anybody putting one up. I don't I don't know if there is a Hitler statue in the, anywhere in the world, but um, yeah, I you know I guess if somebody put up a private statue of Hitler, I would have to say that's their statue and you shouldn't deface it. But Earl, it's probably not going to go well. Earl, thank you so much for the call. Um, I, I would tend to agree that, you know, you you can't deface statues when they belong to people, when they belong to ordinary individuals out there. If you want to erect a statue to Adolf Hitler, 
I don't agree with it, but I'm not going to destroy the statue that is literally your property. My question about the statue being built and maintained by the government, however, makes it the property of supposedly the people. Now, I recognize the people to be, as you know, Max Sterner would have characterized it, a spook, a fictitious illusion, a construct that doesn't exist. It's an abstraction. There are only individuals out there, right? So this whole the, it belongs to the people thing is nonsense in the first place. What individual people does this statue belong to? According to the the mythology around government and public property and all of this kind of nonsense is that that statue belongs to the people. And the people on Saturday night chose to deface that statue. So a lot of statues that are on government property were put there by organizations, right? So um, this gets complicated, right? So maybe the Italian-American Club of San Francisco way back in 19... 1961, uh, you know, pulls its money and says, we're going to, who's the most famous Italian we can figure out that affects America? Christopher Columbus, right? So they come up, they, they put their, they I pull mean, they their money. with Al Capone. <laughs> I don't saying. have a problem with that if that's what they wish to do. Um, but people are wild about Al Capone uh, memorabilia, by the way. Um, oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. They, they're crazy about it. But... If they put their money together and then just said, hey, I wonder if we can get the city to let us put this here. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with them choosing to do that. And it's still sort of their statue. Do you get it? I'm not sure I do. Uh, I think that if they were to put the statue that they paid for onto public property, that's essentially relinquishing ownership of it. I I think that effectively that's true, but I don't think any of them sat down and had a libertarian meeting with Murray Rothbard and understood that that's what they're doing. Maybe they should have. What they're saying is is we're going to buy this statue of this great man who affected the United States and blah, 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 whatever um, awesome story they've got for themselves, and everybody's going to be happy. And it turns out they're not happy, right? They're not happy at all. And it was just intended to be a statue to celebrate being Italian and stuff. And, you know, it didn't work out that way. I can see this point of view. So I can if you if it's the statue of the people then it's acceptable for the people to tear it down, then it's also acceptable for the people to stand near the statue and shoot anybody who defaces it. That's what public property would mean. Like, boom, another protest. Boom, boom, boom. How do you like that? There's a little protest. Protest that. I mean, that makes it effectively the same thing, right? (laughs) 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE here on Free Talk Live. Do you want to shoot people who (laughs) deface statues? This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Give us a call, talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. And Mark. And have you ever heard of Divi? Divi is crypto made easy. Anyone can use Divi to secure and seamlessly spend, earn, store, or exchange digital money. The United States dollar and euros. 
Divi is fast. Transactions happen in seconds with fewer fees. But while other tokens are languishing, the Divi's token price has increased 300%. And all of the details are available at DiviProject.org. That's D-I-V-I Project.org. The new Divi mobile wallet is soon to launch, and when it does, because of Divi's relationship with places like Western Union, Divi will be available in 200 countries, including the United States. And anyone can use the Divi mobile wallet. All you'll need is a phone number and a valid ID. You'll be able to store, buy, and transmit money anywhere in the world. Because they're an investment and invested in a remittance company, there's no chance of these services just suddenly going away. So go check it out. That's DiviProject.org. That's D-I-V-I Project.org. Now, Mark, evidently, one can indeed get a picture taken with a statue of Adolf Hitler. Does a wax statue count? I would say it counts. Okay, so I got to see this thing, and I am... um, It's hilarious. So uh, I'm I'm going to skip the article. It would have to be hilarious. WashingtonPost.com. Bowing to international outrage, the museum has removed one historical wax figure from its menagerie of self-ready celebrity statues, Adolf Hitler. There's 200 of these statues, by the way. Not Adolf Hitler statues, but generally statues. Particularly a gallant Wax statues are so weird to me, man. Like, why, why, are, why are human beings why are human beings doing this? Making wax statues? Yes. Because people will pay money to see them. Why? Why are human beings paying money to see wax statues? I guess it's because <laughs> they want to be closer to the thing that they find, uh, something they find interesting. Right? Is it for like sculptors who can't sculpt stone? Well, it's a lot easier to sculpt wax. You can probably do it much more quickly. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, w- I would also argue there's significantly less artistry involved. Never have Many times done. it doesn't really look like the person, to me, that they're sculpting. The wax ones? The or? wax ones, yeah. Many, many times it doesn't look that way. I'm not surprised. Particularly I mean. a gallantly posed Fuhrer standing in front of a backdrop of the Auschwitz concentration camp. Holy crap. <laughs> the picture seen where, in Where a, was this from? Uh, this is from WashingtonPost.com. No, I mean, the where what museum had a wax statue? It's of- in Indonesia. Okay. And it's a whole bunch of words that I'm not entirely sure of. And the pictures of like a bunch of little Asian kids with their arms raised aloft next to Hitler in front of Auschwitz. Stunning. By aloft? Are they doing the Nazi salute? Oh, yes, salute? they are. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, they are. So it's a statue of Hitler doing the Nazi salute? No, sal- no. He's, he looks more like Superman with his arms and it's to his side. <laughs> so they know enough about Hitler to tie him to the Nazi salute. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you had a bunch of Americans, say, taking a picture with Mao... What would that look like? You know, like we don't have that relationship to Mao in the same way that, uh, you know, say we have a relationship with, with Hitler. Like you know, there's, Hitler is the, the worst guy you can talk about in history in I mean, even though lots Western of people Civ. were worse, like Joseph Stalin, significantly worse. Uh, Mao. I don't think you're allowed to say that. Worse. Well, I'm saying it. I, I just, and and I, screw the people who don't want me to be allowed to say it. I'm sorry. Murdering 25 million Christian farmers is worse. So would you say that the United States was wrong to enter World War II on the side of Stalin, thus supporting him sufficiently that he was able to, uh, you know, uh, defeat the Germans and then go on to murder 
10, more than 10 million of his own citizens. Would that's, you say a that's, loaded, that's a loaded question. I don't think it's loaded. I'm going to come down and say it was wrong. Like, this is the consequences of actions. Well, see, the circumstances should have never have existed, and they would never have existed if the United States hadn't entered World War One. Agreed. So that was... But the, Americans was, know nothing about World War One because Saving Private Ryan was about World War Two, <laughs> And it was a really awesome movie. And it was a really awesome movie. But a lot of Americans believed that America got into World War II to stop the Nazis from killing Jews. And nothing, no, no I mean, statement could be go- farther from the truth. Yeah, the American government knew about the concentration camps. The American government sent ago. the Jews back to die when they had the opportunity to take them. There was quite indeed. literally a ship of Jews begging for their lives in FDR and the racist Americans that were in the country at the time. By the way, the same racist crap that they're trotting out about the Jews at the time, they're trotting out now against all kinds of other vilified uh, groups. Same, same stuff. Um, they, they wouldn't accept them. And those people, the vast majority of which died in concentration camps. Absolutely. And it was the American governments who, in, in those cases, as you were outlining, sent them there. And the American government knew. The United Kingdom, uh, the British government, they knew about the concentration camps, and they didn't care. Or they wanted to use it as a uh, way to get in, you know, to have a little more support for the war. Certainly Life magazine had taken plenty of pictures of some things that were going on, Kristallnacht and some things that were going on in, in Germany at the time, but much more could have been done. And think of what a really great place the United States would be had they accepted all those great minds that so many of the Jews were um, and from Germany. I mean, how many Jews from Germany went on to get Nobel Prizes? How many of their children went on to get Nobel Prizes? I don't know, but one of those was named Albert Einstein. Sure. And, that uh, that I mean, one he, he was, was kind of a salvaged. big deal. Yeah. You know? But it wasn't just him. I think it was Oppenheimer as well and some others, all of whom, uh, not all of whom, but many of whom came over and facilitated the creation of the Manhattan Project, which definitively, for better or worse, put an end to World War II and ushered in a new nuclear age. So, every- so what might, my, my, what, you're exactly right. What did we lose aside from the actual cost of the human lives by the decisions made by governments? During the 20th century, decisions that they're still making today. I want to go on and talk about this article from the Washington Post because I think this is some of the most ham-fisted, tone-deaf stuff I've ever heard. The idea of creating a Hitler statue, and then to see—I kind of want to do this now. The reactions to it um, are hilarious. (laughs) I do not, Um, but I think it's—it's amusing to see. So (laughs) it's amusing to see. Westerners attempting to go and educate the Asians about how awful it is to create a wax statue of Hitler. <laughs> I mean, like, this is a conversation I never in my life thought I would have. I never so thought I would have it either. So hold on, are they? Hold on. So by doing so, are they not impeding the cultural values of the Indonesians? Are they not colonizing Indonesia? I, in a sense. 
I think it's. I think they consider whatever they might be doing here acceptable because this is just so tone deaf, and it is tone deaf. I mean, this is ridiculous. It is, but yeah. you know, going back to it, if a museum in Indonesia wants a statue of Hitler in front of freaking Auschwitz, she's going to say, "Okay, well, that's a dumb move." Well, but, they had it for four years, so there's a lot of people that took a lot of pictures with Hitler. <laughs> that's not any better. I want to tell you about my favorite cryptocurrency wallet, Edge Wallet at edge.app. Edge is the wallet I use more than any other, and that was true long before Edge Wallet became a sponsor of Free Talk Live. Edge Wallet allows you to buy, sell, trade, and securely hold your cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, tokens, Monero, Ripple, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, and more. It's available for both Android and iOS, and you can download it via the Play or App Store or via Edge Wallet's website, edge.app. Secure your freedom with Edge Wallet. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Give us a call, 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Mark. And where do you want to be in late February? How about Anarchopolka with Ron Paul, John Acapulco McAfee? sounds good. It does. It'll be much warmer there than it will be here in New Hampshire. Doug Casey, Freeway Rick Ross, Dale Bigtree, and lots and lots of other big names. Anarchopolko is the world's foremost con- conference for voluntarist thinkers and activists held in beautiful Acapulco, Mexico. Share ideas on how to live free and escape the clutches of the state and central banks. It's one of the biggest liberty events in the world. It is. Enjoy four days among the sun and beaches of a world-class resort, February 13th through the 16th. Visit anarchopolko.com for early bird pricing and get 10% off with the promo code FTL. That's anarchopolko.com, promo code FTL. It's, it sounds like it's going to be an awesome event. I, I'm interested to see John McAfee is going to be there. Cause, considering the last I heard about him was that he was sort of on the run for the law or whatever. So good. Good for him. I I think it will be interesting to see if John McAfee actually shows up. He's, uh, well, a little shifty sometimes. (laughs) That's putting it kindly. So, do you want your picture taken with a wax statue of Adolf Hitler in front of a death camp? Right, uh, with uh, the, the famous words, work will set you free there uh, from Auschwitz. It's, this is insane, this, this story. I'd, I'd never heard it. This is not a news story. It's from 2017. Um, they finally took down this wax statue after complaints. I guess it was up for almost four years <laughs> with uh, grinning Asians taking pictures with Adolf Hitler out in front of the... Uh, uh, a picture, uh, you know, a, a background of, of Auschwitz. That Every, is really hard to process. Everything about <laughs> it is wrong. It's hard to find words for how contemptible it is, says Rabbi Abraham Cooper, Associate Dean of Simon's Wessenthal Center, which campaigns against anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial, told the Associated Press. The background is disgusting. It mocks the victims who went in and never came out. The outraged... Now, Question, would they be okay if people were taking selfies of just running up and giving Hitler the finger? 
I am curious about that. The outraged claimed that the photo of Hitler who had no business next to the infotainment depictions of Steve Jobs and a leather-clad <laughs> starlet Johansson and critics said the pictures that flooded people's social media accounts were an insult to the six million Jews who died in Hitler's concentration camps. So, so you could go from the Scarlett Johansson exhibit directly to the Adolf Hitler exhibit. So I'm curious about this part. <sighs> I'm curious what? about everything. It's not like you can't find depictions of Joseph Stalin out there, right? Sure. D- aren't there still statues of him I'm in guessing, Russia? I'm guessing there are. As well Pol as Pot, Lenin? Mao. Um, no, Lenin's statues were destroyed by Stalin, in fact. But Lenin's actually in, uh, he's interred. There's his body. Uh, uh-huh. that you, sure. So you can go take a picture with Lenin himself um, if I you mean, wanted. I can you like, like. He's not posed. Oh, man. He's dead. Well, that's no fun. <laughs> um, what are embalmers for? I'm for- sure there are statues of Lenin uh, in existence. There are statues sure. of every other great murderer that uh, history has for you. I mean, every one of them. Julius Caesar still exists, right? And there's plenty of Europeans that are a little upset about Vercingetorix and that whole thing. Talk um, about Italian history. Right. Uh, so... You know, these, uh, you can find Genghis Khan, right? The largest killer of people in human history, from what we can tell. And maybe many, many Chinese, no, and and sheer numbers. In sheer numbers, really? Yeah. I I wouldn't think that the entire Earth population was 25 million at the time that Genghis Khan lived. Roads for miles were slick with the fat of his victims. Well, that's that's apocryphal. No, it's literal. I mean, literal. They wiped out whole cities. Hundreds of thousands and millions of people died. Um, no, go look it up. Genghis um, Khan's an amazing killer. I'm not trying to argue with you because I don't know, but I just wouldn't right. expect I didn't the, know either. Yeah. This guy was incredible and spanned the globe, and had it not been for their really bad systems of uh, changing power... They would have conquered all of Europe and Asia, like the whole thing, and then perhaps on into Africa if it had uh, been interesting to them. Like they were incredibly effective at this point. Um, anyway, going on. I mean, you can find pictures of Genghis Khan. You very rarely will hear the uh, Genghis the Khan moaning. is in the Civilization video games. Yeah. He, and, and Hitler is not, but Bismarck Hitler, is. <laughs> Hitler is certainly not. Although one of the first people to always be put in by someone modding the game is Adolf Hitler. Yeah, sure. He or was... Joseph Stalin. There, one of those two yeah, is Stalin, always I, the first. I don't in. think he's. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's in there. But uh, sure. I mean, you know, these people wanted to conquer more of the globe. Uh, I mean, Napoleon's in there. It's not he that is. long ago. There, a lot of Europeans pretty mad about Napoleon. So. I I think that I think it's just sort of too soon when it comes to Hitler. There's still people walking <laughs> around with the uh, the tattoos on their arms, like maybe a few of them. Uh, and yeah. so you know, yeah, there's nothing funny about that. No, certainly not. Uh, ending up in a concentration camp is is not a delightful thing. No. And these hist- these histories exist, and we have much better histories, right? Like somebody whose entire family was wiped out by Genghis Khan. There's just no 
written oral video history of that occurring. So it's going to take longer for the world to heal from Hitler because there's just not as uh, because it's 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 possible to become affected by it. Let me uh, back that up with a statement. So there are journalists who have claimed PTSD over the conflicts that they've covered, in some cases covered and not even been present in, right? So you could potentially cover, say, uh, what's a modern conflict? The Iraq conflict. Uh, I'd say war, but the Congress of the United States hasn't declared war war since 1942, so it wasn't that. So the Iraq war, not a war. Um, But the Iraq conflict... You could potentially, if you watched, looked at enough pictures, read enough, uh, you know, accounts and these sorts of things, experience a sort of battle fatigue, PTSD kind of situation. And I believe this is totally true, absolutely, hundred percent. I don't doubt it, it at all. I, I, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that our media now is so effective and immersive and uh, convincing that people can actually get PTSD from battles that they never saw, and. That's amazing to me. You mean that they didn't see firsthand? Right. They didn't see yeah. firsthand. They, would, they didn't experience. I, I don't even know what the terms to use, right? They saw and experienced it. You're right. They did see and they did experience it because the media is so effective. When you I don't saw, know if that's a positive thing or a negative thing, you know? Yeah. When you saw that kid and the, uh, I guess it the could news be. guy blown up by U- U.S. helicopters by, uh, by mistake, if I imagine you had a visceral reaction to it. Certainly. Or you're a psychopath. Um, and, you know, maybe you felt, as an American, you felt some responsibility for it. Or maybe you felt defensive. Whatever it is that you felt surrounding it, it's much more than you likely feel as far as some responsibility for, I don't know, the loyalists being beaten up by the revolutionaries in the civil in the, uh, the Revolutionary War. And probably Excellent you don't point. think about that very much. Yeah, because we don't have video of that happening. It's something I've never given any consideration to. I mean, sure, I know it was a thing that happened, but I didn't see it with my own eyes in the way that I did see the murder of the journalists. Uh, that I, you're, you're referring to what um, Chelsea Manning leaked, right? Right, that, that was the uh, Chelsea Banning link. I want to tell you about this, uh, the marketing officer from this museum um, and what he had to say, because it's interesting. It's almost brilliant marketing. Not saying... I've never heard they, of this wax museum before this. That That's true. Maybe they should have kept it. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but if they're motivated by financial concerns, well, having a they statue... They should have sold Hitler, the statue to somebody who wanted to get rid of it. 855-450-3733. Would you take a picture with a wax statue of Adolf Hitler? Let us... This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control, so call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight is Aria. And Mark. And I want to tell you about LibertyCon. It's a unique Liberty Convention, April 3rd through the 5th in Washington, D.C. for people who want to network with more than 70 pro-Liberty organizations for the purpose of career advancement, business, and internship opportunities. Hear from a list of incredible speakers such as John Mackey, Whole Foods CEO and co-founder, who will speak on conscious capitalism. Vernon Smith, who won the Nobel Prize in economics and will speak on alternative markets. 
uh, Miriam Issa, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, who spent 21 years as a risk taker, a quantitative trader, before becoming a researcher in philosophical, mathematical, and practical problems with probability. Dude, I want to meet him. <laughs> and there's still more. So visit LibertyCon.com for more details on additional speakers and events and use the code FTL for a $10 discount on your registration. Student travel scholarships are available and discount rooms for everyone at the Marriott Marquis. Uh, save with early registration at LibertyCon.com. And use the coupon code CFTL, sorry, use the code FTL for a $10 discount. Sounds like an interesting event. Uh, certainly some really intelligent people going to be speaking there. And it's always worth hearing really intelligent people. I'm excited to go. Minds. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Let's get into the phones here. We've got Alan calling from New York. Alan, you're on Free Talk Live. Are you still with us, Alan? I wanted to answer the question. I'd take it with a flamethrower. Yeah. um, A for effort as usual. Getting right back into the story about um, getting one's picture taken with Hitler. Evidently, there's some people who were really upset that the statue even existed in the first place. Much less was available for people to take their you know, picture with it. It's some disturb. The most disturbing image has to be these uh, young Asian kids with their arms held aloft in the Nazi salute here uh, behind the Auschwitz, in front of the Auschwitz uh, sign next to a wax figure of Hitler. Uh, I'm very surprised at this. I, I hadn't, I hadn't heard of it or seen it, and and I'm with uh, with uh, James there that uh, yeah, this is. Um, this is not acceptable. Now, I wouldn't go destroying these people's property. Uh, it's theirs, right? They own yes. it. And let's go with uh, their side of it, right? So Warley, the museum's marketing officer, who goes by one name, uh, de- defended the wax work to the Associated Press. He said he knew Hitler was a historical figure responsible for mass murder, but since his statue went on display in 2014, the work was one of the favorite figures for our visitors to take selfies with. <laughs> Shocking. Well, didn't time make Hitler the person of the century for the 20th century? I maybe they did. And it probably would be, um, you know, like he was certainly an important figure in the 20th century. He was probably the most influential person, the most influential single person of the 20th century. No visitors complained about it, he said. Most of our visitors are having fun because they know it's just an entertainment museum. The just entertainment aspect of similar depictions of Hitler and his Nazi regime is something that has uh, vexed historians and activists for years. Some worry that distancing historical figures from their atrocities, essentially turning them into caricatures and cartoon characters, is the first step towards repeating the mistakes of the past. And I'm not sure that I can see that, but okay. In a Q&A with a Connecticut Jewish ledger, Gavriel Rosenfeld, the author of Hi Hitler!, that is just too lighthearted, by the way. Warned that uh, similar Hitler and neo-Nazi-based uh, uh, displays normalize the Nazi legacy. The Internet, above all, is the medium that really focuses on Hitler as a completely uh, decontextualized, dehistoricalized figure. We can draw on a Hitler mustache on anything or a swastika on anything and start laughing at it. When Hitler himself is photoshopped into the form of various other characters, we get into something really bizarre uh, phenomenon. Uh, 
I don't know that caps that look like Hitler. Hitler Hitler has certainly been removed from the context of his actual crimes. When you have people saying that you know all Republicans are Hitler, Donald Trump is literally Hitler, right? Because it's always literally Hitler. You just about can't say it without saying literally. Yeah, even though he quite clearly is not not literally. Hitler, Hitler yeah. right, like other, can't be literally Hitler. Hitler, literally Hitler is dead. But millennials literally don't know what the word literally means. <laughs> literally, they don't. Um, so, I just don't know. I mean, when you decide, like, you don't get to control the meme. So you create the sure. meme that Hitler is important and bad, and that's a good idea to create that meme. Pogroms, bad. I'm with you. Not. Uh, decontextualizing that at all however once the meme is created then you don't get to control how it's going to be like people are going to internalize this and the way they're going to internalize it or whatever and i'm sorry the whole birth of the the word meme was from richard dawkins the the biologist who characterized them as you know these social things that tend to take on a life of their own sure they grow and they change they evolve just like Genes, which is how he ended up, you know, forming the word. He wanted something that sounded similar to the word genes. So you get memes. Yeah, interesting. Um, so I mean, yeah, once that meme is out there, it is out of your control, man. Yeah, I just don't. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm not. And Hitler was always prime material to be turned into a meme, for better or worse. Right. Genocides have existed, but there seems to be. It seems to be important to, uh, to many, many times Jews, and I am to some extent, uh, would be considered a Jew, right? Like, I'm not entirely Jew, but part Jew. Um, it seems to be very important to Jews to make sure that this is the most important genocide we ever talk about. I well, mean, I've yeah, been called a it, Nazi sympathizer it's what by a it- Jew for simply saying that I felt that the colonization of the New World was probably a more historically significant and greater atrocity than... Uh, the, the Jewish pogrom committed by the Nazis in the late 30s and early 40s. And I don't want to go all out there with it, but I, I could certainly understand why um, the Jewish people, if indeed they do take that position. Uh, I'm not sure. The they, Jewish people don't take a position. <laughs> they find it to be advantageous because it was the Holocaust that made it unacceptable to even say the word Jew in modern society, even is it unacceptable to say Jew? It, it almost is. Okay, um, even referencing someone as being Jewish can be enough to get you called anti-Semitic and compared to Hitler. Huh. Well, um, I haven't experienced that, but I'm sure people call me anti-Semitic because I don't agree entirely with every uh, aspect of the Israeli government. In sure. the story, right? It's the same thing. You know, the reason you can't That's criticize a Israel brush, brush. today yeah. is because of the the propaganda benefits that were wrought by the Holocaust. Yeah, I think that there's um, to some extent this is a true statement. I mean, I don't want it to be true, but it's true. And that uh, let's say, but I will say this: in, wasn't in defense, it Bush who said, "Never let a good tragedy go to waste"? Sure. Well, the but, Jewish people have not allowed the Holocaust some, to go to waste. Some, yes. Um, but I would also say this: had the education not occurred, then there might be an argument that some pogrom might exist in the future. And pogrom means what? Pogrom is basically um, genocide against Jews um, in a local area. Which is deplorable. Should not be allowed, should not be tolerated. Yeah, and history is replete with them. There's quite a few of them. It's not like this was the only one that ever went on. Most effective, but not the only one that went on. Um, And so I I can see 
that there's a point at which one should, you know, to, to which one should point uh, point out, point this out, right? Like, it's important to say, hey, look, hey, over here, we're the Jews, and, uh, you know, y'all have tried like to kill us for, for some period of time, and let's stop that, okay? We want to integrate, and, you know, everything's great, right? Um, whereas at some point, there's a, a point when it's just like, can we stop talking about this? And I can see both sides. Uh, I really can. I, I don't disagree. Uh, it, it is important, I think, to recognize these things. But, you know, as we're talking about, oh, the Holocaust, the Holocaust, this is doing nothing about the concentration camps in the United States right now, where, you know, people from South America are being held against their will. In so what is the point in focusing on the Holocaust almost exclusively if we're not going to use it as a motivating factor and immediately shutting down pictures out of the, uh, the ones that are in the United States? Right. Which is all the more alarming. Sure. As U.S. citizens, as the government, we're told that we, the people, are the government. As the government, should we not have information about our concentration camps? Now, I don't believe any of this, by the way, this propaganda that we are the government. government. Right. We are not the government and we don't have concentration camps. But those that rule us would have us believe that we are the government and that we, um, you know, that we're responsible in some way and we're not. No, abs- absolutely not. We have no we have no control for these atrocities, and we couldn't stop them if we wanted to. Nope. 855-450-3733. What do you think about the American concentration camps and its roots in the Holocaust? 855-453-7. You can be the smartest person in the room on the topic of the Constitution if you watch this free webinar. Liberty First University is online training on the principles of liberty and the origin, proper application, and defense of our founding documents and the principles they contain. You will receive an education worthy of the highest institutions of learning, as if the founders were teaching it. Join us at lfu.freetalklive.com to watch the free pre-recorded webinar. Watch now at lfu.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control, and you can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Mark. And the subject of the show, by and large, has been genocide and various genocides throughout, you know, human history, because they're certainly not a new thing. Uh, The first one was not the Holocaust, and it certainly wasn't the last one, regrettably, And there are various monuments, shrines, testaments, uh, both in tribute to these people who executed these crimes and against these people who committed these crimes. Like you have um, praising monuments, as you mentioned, of people like Genghis Khan and Joseph Stalin throughout the world today. And evidently you had one. In Indonesia, of Adolf Hitler made out of wax that wasn't necessarily being done to praise him, but the way people treated it uh, to not to not they didn't take it terribly seriously. Not surprising that people from Indonesia aren't taking the guy who committed you know some form of genocide many thousands of miles away terribly seriously. They just don't have the the relationship to it. Well, even. even if we had such a statue here in the United States, I would not be at all surprised 
by people who went to take selfies with it. I yeah. would almost certainly do so, but I'm a troll at heart. And it seemed like that would be a really good way to troll large numbers of people easily. Right. And I think that, that what we're coming to, what we've come to is, is that this is a world where it is acceptable to create a statue or a, a monument, I mean, it might not be the right term, a depiction of any mass murderer in history who has done any terrible thing. Like, you pick the terrible thing. You could make a the, the second most hated person in America, maybe Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. Like there's another like if you were going to say like we have to have hell because we have to be able to send two people to it. Those two people could very well be Hitler and Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, yeah, so, but according to the Christian mythology, Hitler's not going to hell anyway. I, I look, I don't want to discuss that part, um, <laughs> but okay. many, many Christians believe Hitler is going to hell. Well, they're wrong. OK. Um, and. The, you know, so Jeffrey Dahmer, if you, I, there's probably a wax statue of this guy someplace on the planet, and um, I bet you there's people taking selfies with it. It's what what we've pointed out here, and I think it's just so is that somehow the uh, the, the the propaganda machine, the the anti the the contra propaganda machine that kicked in post World War II managed to make it unacceptable to create a uh, depiction of Hitler. Yes. At least a depiction of Hitler that isn't comical. So <laughs> this guy here in this article here is complaining about comical depictions of Hitler sort of taking away the uh, the bite of Nazism or whatever. He's a so-called Nazi normalization has sparked an outcry before in Indonesia, which uh, has the largest Muslim population in the world and a, and a minuscule Jewish population. A Nazi-themed cafe in the uh, city of Bandung, where Holy waiters crap. wore replicas of SS uniforms. Okay, so Indonesians, just nuts. Tone, de- tone <laughs> deaf, I think is the best term I want to use here. Caused anger abroad for several years until reportedly closing its doors at the beginning of this year. A Nazi cafe. I went to a place called Red Square in uh, Nevada uh-huh. some years ago, and... You could dress up in old, uh, you know, S, uh, Soviet uniforms, uh, you know, just put the big furry hat on your head and put the coat over. They'd send a hot gal in with you to take shots off of a block of ice that contained Lennon's head in bronze. Uh, <laughs> you know, the whole thing. I don't even know what I think about this, <laughs> but... There's, I can tell you, way too much I drank to a lot of vodka there. off that top of Lennon's <laughs> head, and I had a wonderful time. I've got some good pics of this. <laughs> There's way too much to unpack there for me to know how I feel about that. Right. I mean, <laughs> the thing, you know. I'm not sure where to start. <laughs> and it's it's sort of the what is too soon and what is your cultural relationship to this thing or that thing. The cultural relationship that the United States has to Hitler is significantly different than the cultural relationship the United States has to Lenin. Perhaps it shouldn't Certainly. be, but it is. So back to the question I asked earlier, if there was a way that people could take a selfie with Hitler in some way that was clearly mocking him or demeaning him, would that be okay? Like if it was Hitler's head on a pike or whatever, and people were taking shots of alcohol off it, would they be okay with me, a trans person, giving a 
picture of Hitler, the middle finger, while saying, you lost, would they be okay with that? Probably. I mean, I wonder... I I think the context is important. This wax statue... Okay, so first off, let's talk about solutions to this. If you don't like the wax statue of Hitler... I don't like the wax statue of Hitler. The question is, how much do you not like it? Because I don't care if somebody has a minor opinion about something. See, this is where the troll thing within my whole generation starts to really show itself i i'm okay with the statue of hitler and i dislike the statue of hitler i would take a selfie with it to be funny because i dislike the statue of hitler because the shock effect of it it's valuable i think that it's tone deaf uh but i understand what they're doing and uh whatever what Indonesia i think definitely me, tone deaf to me what it's about is what is the value for you? Because somebody on the planet Lulz. finds this statue so repugnant that they'd be willing to spend a million dollars to take it down. And that person should be able to buy that statue from that museum and melt it or uh, if the museum hang is it in effigy it. or whatever. And that's what they should be willing... That should be... well. Honestly, the problem with this, with my method, but this is what I think they should be able to do. My, the problem with my method is is that um, the museum then, if you're willing to pay a million dollars, then pays another 20000 to get another replica of Hitler made. And perhaps in Indonesia, we're talking 2000 I don't know. Um, replica of Hitler created and then begins to sell replicas of Hitler at a million dollars a piece See, to I'm okay with angry all of this. Uh, Westerners. <laughs> Hey, if you can exploit someone's irrational response to a thing, exploit their emotional response. Well, at least they understand that that's that's irrational. I do like uh, when people understand that they're irrational, but what they're doing is is they're attempting to stop this behavior, uh, you know, by by shaming everybody and making their their culture. Like, you see, the thing is, is it's 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 completely acceptable to say, oh, you Americans are ruining everybody's culture. You're trying to get you to learn English and genes and your, you know, sexual lifestyles and all those things that people complain about, probably legitimately about the United States and the spread of its culture. However, right. the spread of the United States' culture surrounding its beliefs around Hitler is not questioned for a second. The way that we may go over, you know, run over Indonesians' tone deafness surrounding genocide in Western Europe, yeah, you know, that's okay. And you're either against cultural dominance or you're not. And that's what this is. It's a cultural dominance. Yeah, I mean, especially if it was the case, and I don't know if it is or isn't, but if it if it is the case that the people of Indonesia they value the the representation of historical figures for all reasons, if it was just part of their culture to look back at past figures and I don't want to say idolize them, but that's essentially what it is when you look make at a them. statue of someone. It's an idol. Yeah. <laughs> This restaurant was called uh, the Solden Cafe or whatever, named after a restaurant in Paris that was popular with occupying Nazi soldiers. Hitler portraits and Nazi flags adorned the walls in the Indonesian restaurant. The cafe's owner insisted to the Daily Mail that he wasn't a neo-Nazi and said to the cafe's website uh, that it explored Hitler and the Nazis as pop culture. Yeah, it does sound, sound kind of like it is just part of Indonesian culture to treat uh, the 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 Nazis as though they weren't significant. And by what right does Western society then go, no, you have to treat them this way that we say. 
Chinese still consider Genghis Khan to be significant and evil. They really? should. Well, yeah. 855-450-3733. What do you think about this whole thing? 855 855- This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind using our toll-free number, 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. And Mark. So if you take my advice and you go to local.bitcoin.com and buy some Bitcoin cash, you may end up wondering, you know, where do I put this cryptocurrency now? Well, I would recommend the Edge Wallet. It's the Edge Wallet that I use. It's available for both iOS and Android And it can be used to directly buy, sell, trade, and securely hold cryptocurrencies. It's all user-controlled. You own your own money. There's none of that crap with 14-word, you know, recovery phrases or any of that nonsense. It uses a username and password system that as long as you remember those two pieces of information, you can log into the Edge wallet on any device without having to go, oh, no, which one of these 17... 14-word passphrases belongs to this particular wallet. There's none of that. It's got support for Bitcoin Core, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, Tokens, Monero, Ripple, Stellar, and so many more. Their tagline is Secure Your Freedom. So go to H- go to um, edge.app to find out more about it and go to the Google Play or iOS stores and download it directly. It's a wonderful wallet and it's being used here in Keene by homeless people to make cryptocurrency purchases, which is only possible because of the Edge wallet. You know, it, it, it's amazing. It's a great wallet. It's, it's my, in my opinion, the best one out there. It is by far the best one out there. So, again, go check it out. That's the Edge wallet. Now, in keeping with the story of genocide and various wrongdoings by government, and in keeping with the general theme, as I've noticed, um, China has been mentioned quite frequently on Free Talk Live within the past few months because there's a lot happening right there. In fact, we talked about them last week with South Park and China. And, of course, I don't know if it was mentioned here on the air, but South Park did, in fact, respond to their ban by the Chinese government. I can't tell you how they responded, but you'll have to go watch that episode to find out for yourself. (laughs) But they responded in the way that you would expect South Park to behave. They didn't respond the way that Blizzard responded or activision responded they didn't respond the way the nba responded like a little servile cow towing yeah south park did exactly what you would expect south park to and it was glorious yeah they they gave a a, it was a middle finger but a nicely polished middle finger like a really good one yes it was so getting back into hong kong and what's going on there chinese president what is that xi jinping xi jinping yeah warned adversaries on Sunday that any attempt to split China will Xi Jinping end... is what we're going with. Okay. Will end in crushed bodies and shattered bones, according to state media. Say that all again one more time for me. I was thinking about Winnie the Pooh. Go ahead. Yes. Well, President Xi Jinping warned adversaries on Sunday that any attempt to split China will end in crushed bones and sh- crushed bodies Who and are the adversaries bones. and what are we talking about splitting China? Well, we're going to get further into that. It's in the article. According to state media's anti-government protesters in Hong Kong returned to the streets for a 19th consecutive weekend. So this has been going on for a very long time. 
Although Winnie the Pooh didn't explicitly name Hong Kong in his comments, his references to separatists and external That's forces. That's better. Winnie the Ping. That Winnie is the Ping. much yes. better. Okay, perfect. Echoed previous language used by Beijing when talking about protests in the semi-autonomous Chinese city. Anyone attempting separatist activities in any part of China will be crushed, and any external force backing such attempts will be dre- deemed by the Chinese people as pipe-dreaming said Winnie the Ping during a state visit to Nepal, according to the state news agency. So, demonstrations continued in Hong Kong on Sunday, but they were smaller than in previous weeks and appeared to portend a shift to more guerrilla-style tactics. Now, what they're largely referring to with these external forces, for those who haven't been keeping up, is uh, sort of the United States, uh, because there are attempts to use what's happening in Hong Kong between Trump and the Chinese government as a negotiating tactic. Right. You also have senators Ted Cruz and someone else going to Hong Kong and outright voicing their support for the Hong Kong protesters. I I support the Hong Kong protesters. I wholeheartedly support them. I don't know if I wholeheartedly. These aren't libertarians. They're not. but It's not a personal freedom protest. But, um, you know, it's better than what they got. Yes. So groups. Also, of... it's worth pointing out that uh, you know the Hong Kong is a, the the freest place on the planet when it comes to sort of economic freedoms. Is so, that still the case? Still the case. Okay. Um, Taiwan is interestingly getting uh, giving them a run, moving way up the charts way quick, very quickly. That's but Singapore good. is number two, has been for a long time. Not necessarily when it comes to personal freedoms in Singapore, but certainly economic freedoms. So the majority of protests are still peaceful, but the number of violent incidents has risen as the unrest has dragged on. During a press conference Monday, a police spokesperson said that officers had uncovered an improvised explosive device on Sunday night on Nathan Road, one of the city's, one of the city's busiest thoroughfares. So IEDs being found. This Chinese protest is not nonviolent. But mostly been non-lethal, from what I've been able to say, at least from the protesters' side. Well, when you're protesting a tyrannical regime, people are going to get passionate. I'm not opposed to using violence against those who would enforce that regime. Not innocent bystanders, but yes, if if they're sending in the military and the police to crush your protest for you know fighting back against autonomy. Them then you have to actually fight back against them. I think that it's, well, I don't know if you have to. I'm going to say that it's morally acceptable. Yes. The question is... It may not be strategically smart. It may not be, right? Like one of the things the the Gandhi had was he had a lot of people that were willing to like quite literally take lumps on the head, get pounded in the head in order to, um, but still not use violence to get what they wanted. And I don't think I could do it. Like, I'd have to use some kind of force to defend myself if that's what it is. And, you know, if they're trying to drive everybody off the streets and to silence the protests, well, what do you do? I don't know what you do. I don't either. But violence in Hong Kong has become more acute since the city's leader, Carrie Lam, used colonial-era emergency powers to ban citizens from wearing masks at public gatherings earlier this month. 
on Sunday. Protesting. And don't forget that mask wearing is very cultural in um, in Hong Kong and China, generally Asia, because yeah. people don't want to spread illnesses to each other. Um, it's you know, considered count, polite. Do those count as yes. masks for the purpose of this? Wow. Yep. On Sunday, however, protesters dressed in black uh, vandalized and set fire to government facilities, subway stations, and shops deemed to be pro-China. Now, th- this goes back to what you were saying. It's certainly That's certainly violence. There may have been no casualties, but setting fire to buildings, subway stations, and shops, uh, that's, that's violence. Mm-hmm. That's destruction of property. It's true. S- several of these incidents were caught on video, including one showing what appears to be a protester stabbing an officer in the neck. Oh my. With what police called a sharp edged object. A group of protesters was also filmed attacking a lone officer in riot gear, with one delivering a jump kick to the neck. There's it's hard more to pull about off this. a jump kick. It, it is, and especially to someone's neck. There's more about this, more about China and what's happening there. So don't go anywhere. This is Free Talk Live. Anarchapulco is the world's foremost conference for voluntarist thinkers and activists held in beautiful Acapulco, Mexico. Share ideas on how to live free and escape the clutches of the state. Their unparalleled lineup of speakers will discuss entrepreneurship, investments, politics, philosophy, health, sustainability, lifestyles, and personal relationships. Stay in a world-class resort and enjoy the sun and beaches. February the 13th through the 16th, visit anarchapulco.com for early bird pricing and 10% off with coupon code FTL. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That number's 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Mark. And you know, a few weeks ago, we did a thing, a new thing for Free Talk Live. We hosted a webinar. And by all accounts, it was awesome. I enjoyed doing it. Roger Paxton actually hosted it with... um, Chris Ann of Liberty First University. It's, I would call it an unqualified success. I mean, it was really great. Yeah, and it's tremendously fascinating to watch because Chris Ann, she's a very passionate, very excited, dynamic person. And Roger had to say almost nothing to keep her going. It's hard to talk solidly for about an hour. Even on, on a topic, a, yeah. Yeah, even on a subject that you're intensely passionate about. But she pulled it off. She nailed it. She was never boring at any moment. No. And she was knowledgeable. She knew She also handled a lot of libertarian um, thoughts on the Constitution. She did. And I don't know if I I made a 180 in my opinion on the Constitution, but my opinion has changed. She improved my opinion of the Constitution, I would say. But it's still not a document that I consented to, so I don't recognize this authority. But But she does point out that there's no particular reason for you to have consented. The the Constitution is a compact between states, organizations. So there's really no – there's no binding on the people themselves. Well, but there is one between the state constitutions and the people of those states. Yes. So – and I never consented to that But this wasn't a class on uh, the New Hampshire state constitution, which is – Fair point. be interesting. What is it a class on, though? You might be curious. You can watch it at LFU – dot freetalklive.com that's lfu like liberty first university 
www.freetalklive.com. It's really awesome. You can find a link there to the YouTube video. It's great. Go check it out. It's an excellent way to spend an hour. So, speaking of excellent ways to spend time, evidently in Hong Kong, everybody was kung fu fighting with, <laughs> with police officers now being kicked in the neck. Flying jump kick. <laughs> to the neck, which, as you pointed out. Not easy to, to pull that off. <laughs> it is not. So, I'm picturing Mortal Kombat style <laughs> jump kick just soaring Fatality! <laughs> but, uh, before we get back into the story of Hong Kong, let's get into the phones. We got Olivia calling from Arizona. Olivia, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey. Um, I wanted to make... I wanted to make a comment about Columbus Day and honoring all these horrific people. But first, I just wanted to make a comment about masks and not preventing diseases or like not spreading diseases. Um, I knew a school teacher who refused to buy like Kleenexes for the classroom. (laughs) They made a hole in like a box and just had the kids put like a roll of toilet paper from the bathroom in there. And that was the Kleenex. But instead, the teacher would buy those little blue masks from walmart and they'd be like if you are sick please please put on one of these disposable masks you don't have to wear it anywhere else you can throw it away when you leave but please just don't breathe the germs in the room i thought that was kind of a neat idea so you know when i was at the dmv last week i had to go for stupid reasons but when i was there i was sitting next next to this guy who in the course of my three and a half hour wait applied sanitizer to his hands at least 35 times. At least. Every few minutes, he was reaching over there and hitting the sanitizer. That is probably a um, neurosis. You think so? Yes. Well, I know there's a lot to be said about, you know, restricting one's um, interactions with various uh, viruses and bacteria, inhibiting one's immune system. So I couldn't – I'm not going to comment on that. I think that there's – you know, it's only uh, valuable in so much as you don't get yourself sick, right? Once you get sick, then you have gone too far with trying to expose yourself to all these varieties of uh, infections in order to prevent infections. Like, whoops, missed up on that one. But most illnesses that we deal with um, on a day-to-day basis come from contact. If not contact with a person, contact with a thing that a person recently touched that's ill – Certainly. So, Olivia, what so were your So a mask thoughts? isn't particularly effective. I mean, yes, it's effective if you have it over your mouth and you sneeze at somebody and the sure. mask catches the you know projectile infectious spittle. Yes, that's that's good. Well, but interestingly, the Mythbusters studied this yep. at using dye and stuff like that. It was really fascinating to see the results. But if you're not consciously, deliberately avoiding contact with people and they're sick— you're going to get sick. So, Olivia, what were your thoughts on Columbus? Oh, oh, I think that was they they used the masks just during like flu season. It was you know that the kids would breathe in the teacher's face. I think it was just to keep from like you know. But the thoughts on Columbus, um, the oatmeal is a web comic, and they did a really good job of explaining like an alternative to Christopher Columbus. There is a of like a friar or a priest named Bartolome de las Casas, I think, and who was a great humanitarian. Um, I don't know. I think it's weird that we sit there and honor these really brutal, horrific people and and don't really mention, I don't know, it's, it's just a strange way of like brainwashing 
when we have good alternatives. It is. Cool. I mean, we have lots of people now who idolize uh, Shea Guerrero, uh, right. the, the rebel in, I think it was Cuba, I don't remember, but he was homophobic. He was just a horrible, horrible person. And it's like, why are you idolizing this guy? Gandhi is literally right there. <laughs> right? Right? It's crazy. Um, so, I don't know. I think it's weird, too, that people feel like that's anti-white. Um, if somebody had a holiday to, to King Edward Longshanks, the Hammer of the Scots, I would be pretty offended. I would think that was pretty weird. I think it's weird that Andrew Jackson is still on the 20 when they were going to change it to Harriet Tubman. Like, why didn't they do that? Because Andrew Jackson was a horrible, horrible statist. Why they they all were. He was oh, anti. Yeah, uh, he was. He's against the the, the central bank. Yes, um, he would be appalled to know that his portrait was, was on, on the a, note of yeah. a central bank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which it makes, well, sort of makes me feel better about you know his being there, considering the atrocities that he did commit. Uh, Jackson had guts. I'll give him that. <laughs> well, <laughs> it takes more than guts to earn my respect. I, you know. Right. Uh, I mean, as far as personality goes and having it, um, you know, you, you you line up the presidents. He had a lot more than most of them. That's true. You know, Den of Thieves, the Pipers, all of that. He certainly had. I'm not defending, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Trail of Tears or any of this uh, sort of unconstitutional stuff that uh, Jackson did. By the way, as seventh president, what what? was constitutional and what was not constitutional was still much more up in the air back then. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I got to say, for, as a historical figure, it's far enough, he's far enough in the past that I like him. Uh, I don't know. I can't support. He did too much stuff. Oh, I don't support it. Awful. He was a horrible person. Yep. But, yeah, I just, I like these protests on Columbus Day because it does make you sit there and it does make you open a history book and start to try to get to the root of it. And it does make you question, who are we holding up as examples? Who are we sitting there and honoring? And then finding hopefully positive alternatives. If not, you know, the the federal holidays changing, then at least for your own personal self, I like how it, it draws attention to people changing their, their own viewpoint. I like that. I like that as well. It's good when phrased that way. Uh, I would love for Columbus Day to actually stick around and perhaps just turn into i mean if they want the, if federal workers want the day off fine give them the day off but make it gandhi day you know yeah. make it the day of someone who wasn't uh a jerk he's just the guy you like um and people can uh, the problem with human beings is well, none gandhi of them are perfect. Was not perfect either right they, they, none of them are perfect and as soon as you make it gandhi day then somebody's going to trot out that he slept with young women that were too young that were too young to consent or something you know it all gets very odd it it does, but as you were saying, it's because no one is no one is perfect, and and I mean that's a good argument against having these sorts of days where we commemorate people in the first place. Well, what do we have days? When do we get days off then? When when we want them, every federal employee get ten guaranteed days off a year. Take them when you want. Problem solved, right? Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. What do you think about federal holidays?
This is Free Talk Live, and if you're quick, you can still get in on the radio with us. That number is 855-450-3733. Again, that's 855-450-FREE, as in Free the People of Hong Kong. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Mark. And we've been talking about uh, various genocides and wrongdoings committed by government throughout, you know, the history of humanity, really, and that's taking shape right now in Hong Kong and China, not strictly related, not strictly limited to Hong Kong. Of course, you have the Uyghur province, or not the Uyghur province, the Uyghur population in a province in China being essentially rounded up, put into re-education camps, and it's receiving worldwide condemnation except from the United States government, which is uh, unsurprisingly quiet about the entire thing but let's get back to the phones we've got uh timmy calling from south park timmy you're on free talk live yeah that's what i expected i mean that's all timmy is able to say on the show so um accurate portrayal i suppose uh he wanted to talk about zing zing poo which would have been fascinating but i I, sorry i can't let you on the air to just say timmy repeatedly. <laughs> well it was a good imitation right it was yeah uh, it's just limited in where it can be taken okay so uh beijing has been particularly critical of washington's support for the hong kong protesters in recent months with authorities accusing the u.s of helping to organize demonstrations claims that the u.s state department has called ridiculous Now, I believe it. uh, The United States economically is scared of China because it's made themselves dependent on China. And that's never a good place to be in. No, it's it's a really it's it's an interesting conundrum because do you support Nixon having gone into China and opening up that market for trade to the world? I support free trade. Okay, I support free trade, too. I believe that a business in any given geographic area should be able to trade with the business in another geographic area if they so choose. This is the the conundrum of statism, right? I support... It has many conundrums. Many. (laughs) I support free trade and I support freer trade because I want people to be freer than they are today. And I see lots of benefits of more freedom over just absolute freedom. And so China being able to do business uh, with the world, people, businesses in China, people in China being able to do business with people around the world has, you know, undeniably increased the standard of living for the people in China and made life better for them. This is this is a people that went from, according to stories, eating their children during their revolution. Things were going so bad. Like they had done such a crazy job of killing off the black Chinese in favor of the red Chinese that to, uh, you know, doing trade with the world a few decades later and becoming an economic powerhouse. Uh, Just really some great stuff. However, in the process, the, you know, leaders, those that would be king in China have, uh, you know, have really secured their power. They have indeed. And the United States, because it opened up this market made a lot of people's lives better how in China. However, it's also got itself into a relationship that is very it's destructive and weird. Well, we saw the same thing with the United States government's response to Spain and Catalonia. 
rather than sending the military to defend the borders of Catalonia, if the people of Catalonia had, in fact, requested it, which they didn't. But if, for example, they requested, hey, (laughs) there's a deal with the devil. We're being invaded by Spain here. Will you help us to defend our independence and our freedom? The United States government would not have done it. Aren't they in an agreement with NATO with the government of Spain and not the government of Catalonia? I I don't know. I mean, they've got treaties at this point. NATO is junk in the first place and should be thrown out as NATO is probably uh, one of the one of the uh, the best models for what the United States federal government should, in fact, be doing. Uh, My argument is the federal government really should be very little more than an interstate compact of free trade. See, I don't even see that as necessary. I mean, why can't company in location A do business with company in location B? Why because even Because there's these the organizations government? called states. Right, but they, they shouldn't exist. But they do. They, they do, yes. Okay. So in a world where they do, a federation of those states that agree to do business in a free market, as they largely do, largely in the United States, between states, right? Like, yes. It's pretty close to a free market in the United States if you're doing business, say, from New Hampshire to Florida or something. Not perfect, but much better than it is, say, doing business from uh, New Hampshire to Beijing. And uh, that's so that's what, in my opinion, the federal government should be doing is that particular task and the task of, you know, securing the borders of any any state that wishes to be part of that federation. And I think that should have extended to. If they didn't have all the extra rules of the federal government trying to grow and be the federal government, if it was just those two things, what you would see is Canada, um, basically most of Central America, Central America, maybe even good parts of South America, many parts of Europe, uh, many places in uh, Africa, colonial places in Africa, and a variety of places that would have opted in to this federation – and then you wouldn't have the conflict that the federal government, you know, because the, the, the United States uh, military has been used as a tool of imperialism and hegemony, whether people like to admit it or not. I mean, like, it's, it's undeniable and it can be shown over and over and over oh, yeah. again repeatedly. However, if people are opting in. It's not used as a tool of empire and hegemony on Florida and New Hampshire. So if people then opt in, then you may very well have this one world government that the uh, the Birchers are so scared of in the form of the United States because it would in fact be this beacon on the hill of liberty that simply is a military that, um, you know, intends to protect those borders. Now, it would get very interesting trying to take in. You know, some uh, some people from Ghana um, and people from Connecticut and put them into the same military and pay them the same stuff. I mean, how, how would this all work? I don't know. But it's, uh, to me, a fascinating well, idea these, and a model that could have been a more libertarian world. Certainly. And if the statehood emblem uh, meant something that valuable, you know, it would be coveted. These other nations, it, it would be a worldwide government, as you pointed out, essentially because it was so desired desired to be part of it you know it's we're offering you this and that and this other thing and all you have to do is you know voluntarily sign up for it oh well, okay everybody would sign up for it but what they're offering has become a hollow mockery of what they were supposed to be offering oh yes 
So rather than offering people economic security and things like that, what we end up with is the only way to escape the foreign policy of the American government is to be an American. Interestingly, the English common law system that uh, you know that the Supreme Court operates under is not the common law system of Louisiana. All right, they're under Napoleonic law, and somehow they fit in to this system that we have. So it's not to say that even judicial systems that are different than our own wouldn't work because they already are. And I don't know whether I'm advocating for this, but I have spent some time thinking about what it would be, might be like. Enough time to wonder whether or not we should replace the stars and the flag with maple leaves or replace the maple leaf in the, uh, the, the Canadian flag with star. Just saying. Uh, let's go to the phones real quick. We got a David from New Mexico. David, you got like a minute. What's on your mind? Ranny Talk Live, Talk Radio, you can troll. I heard you were uh, talking about Nazis earlier. Were you you talking about any of the uh, gay Nazis? (laughs) Which gay Nazis are we talking about? Are your your particular gay Nazis? Your your New Mexican gay Nazis? Aside from the gay Nazis at the University of New Mexico radio station, the the Stormtrooper brown shirt uh, gay Nazis. You know why their shirts are brown, don't you? Uh, I, I don't know. And I'm that, scared of where you're going. With I, I suspect it. the reason I do know what you're, you're alluding to, and I don't know anything about brown shirts having been gay. Uh, the things that I read about brown shirts, admittedly sparse, have never intimated this uh, particular claim. Have, have you? Oh, really? What history books have you been reading there, Mr. Edging Tons? The government ones. <laughs> you know. The government ones. The ones that they issue in prison? Uh, well... <laughs> I don't think they yeah, issue fewer. history books in prison. But, well, they, uh, David, we, we have uh, the old ones that we sent to uh, that they sent to the library. Sure, uh, but you've got to stop waiting until the last minute and a half of the show to call. And no, I think it was a great call. I, I think it was too. I yeah, just wish he we said had it was time talk radio. You control, and then he trolled the hell out of us for a minute and a half. Go ahead on over to freetalklive.com to check out the archives of the show going back a full 10 years. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We'll be back this same time tomorrow, every night of the week. Gold has definitely been on the move recently, and there is no more secure investment historically. McIlvaney ICA has been helping people take delivery of precious metals and find storage options for decades. They've helped thousands of investors with their precious metal IRAs. Call ICA today for your free portfolio review at 800-525-9556 or download their free report online at icagoldsilver.com to learn how you can double your gold and silver ounces even within an IRA. 800-525-9556. icagoldsilver.com. Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash. Local.bitcoin.com.